won't hold you long. But I do feel like I have something from God this morning. I give honor to Pastor Brown and his wife. And I take very seriously the responsibility that they've placed on me this morning to minister to their congregation. I know that you are a good church. You've got a great pastor and pastor's wife. And I just want to get out of the way and let God do what He's going to do. Amen. Matthew chapter 6, let's begin with verse 19. We're going to read quite a bit here this morning, so I apologize for the lengthy read, but it will lay a little bit of a foundation. Let's begin in verse 19. It says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Verse 21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Skip down to verse 24. It says, No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Verse 25, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat, what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than the meat, and the body more than raiment? Skip down to verse 31. Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what, or shall, what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. Verse 33, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. Everybody say all these things shall be added unto you. Finally, verse 34, take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. We're going to talk briefly this morning about forget the cost and look for the cause. I would say if I was any other place, I would say it was ironic that the very first song that we sung this morning was about freedom. But since we're in the house of God, I know there's nothing that is ironic and by coincidence. God knows what He's doing. He knows how to put things in place. He knows how to to order the steps of every one of us as we're coming to His presence. He knows what we need to hear this morning. So before we sit down, why don't we put our Bibles down, lift our hands, and one more time, let's ask God to be in this place. Let's ask that His anointing would begin to fall from the back of the building to the front on every heart that's in this place this morning. God, I need You this morning. Lord, I am nothing without You. God, I have to have Your anointing in my life. God, I ask that you would let your word cut into my soul, Lord. Cut into the hearts and soul of every person in this room. Divide us from our carnality, Lord. Divide us from the things that are not of you, Lord. God, and we're careful to give you all the praise and all the glory. God, prepare my heart to receive from you. Lord, I don't just want to be a hearer of the word. Lord, I want to leave here and be a doer of your word. Praise God. Let's thank him one more time before we're seated. 
Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Forget the cost and look for the cause. The reason it was no coincidence, the song that was sung this morning so beautifully by Christina about about freedom is we are in the midst of a struggle for freedom every day of our lives. Freedom is something that we all desire. Freedom from sin, freedom from pain, freedom from debt, freedom from heartache, you, you name it. We are striving and we are fighting for freedom. And as an illustration this morning, I want to take us back several hundred years ago, several thousands of years ago to the country of Scotland. My family has descendants that are... Uh, has our ancestry in the country of Scotland. And I studied a lot of it out. And in my study, I learned about a man named William Wallace. William Wallace. No doubt several of you have heard of the name William Wallace. He was made very famous by a movie several years back by Mel Gibson called Braveheart. Several of you may have studied him in school. But William Wallace was a fighter for freedom in the country of Scotland. They no longer wanted to be bound by the tyranny of England. So they began to fight against the oppression. They began to fight against the, the evil king from Eng of England that was trying to overtake them. And throughout his struggle, he would fight. And some of his last words were known to be freedom. I'm fighting and dying for the cause of freedom. But in the process, there was a man that came out of the story that not many people are familiar with. William Wallace is somebody that most people have heard the name of. But there was a man who was one of the nobles of Scotland, and his name was William the Bruce. William the Bruce was a man who had been given notoriety, he had been given lands, and he had been given wealth by the king of England. This was an attempt to bribe him over to his side, to say, if you can get these peasants in order, I will give you power. And in doing so, Robert the Bruce went into alliance with the king of England, and in, in this process, he became known as the king of Scotland. And as he watched what was going on with, with William Wallace, he would not side with him. He would do it in secret. He would, he would give him ammunitions in secret because he did not want to break his alliance with the king of England. But something happened when William Wallace died. When he died, Robert the Bruce began to examine his own life and he said, I cannot be satisfied with what has happened because I have been given responsibility for my people. And a dynamic thing happened in his life. He changed his alliance and he broke the alliance off with the king of England. And he began to fight against the armies from England. And he said, I'm going to sacrifice everything that I have for the freedom of my people. And for several years, the battle raged. For several years, people were dying. And through this time, Robert the Bruce no longer was comfortable to sit in his palace and watch his people fight. He is known to have taken the sword and literally gone into battle to fight with his people. And as he died, he said, I want you to take my heart and I want you to take it into the battlefield. And when we win our freedom from England, I want my heart to be there. And so it's known that they took the heart of Robert the Bruce and they put it into a golden container. They put it on a chain and they would wear it around the neck. The leader of the army would wear it around his neck. And the cry came out, we are fighting for the heart of our king. And in studying out this story, my heart became pricked because I, I, I began to see the correlation between fighting for the heart of a king for our natural freedom and fighting for the heart of our king for our spiritual freedom. I began to see how the heart of my king
is in these people that surround us and the humanity that surrounds us every day. And I, I began to see how even when God... He created all this. He, he went through the whole process and it wasn't enough. He said, I've got to robe myself in flesh. I've got to place myself into the battle. And he took it, he took it so serious. He said, I'm coming down and he gave his life that we could all have freedom this morning. And tonight, it's, or to, this afternoon, it's not enough for me to go through the motions. It's not enough for me to just sit back. I have to learn to take into battle the heart of my king. I've got to let the passion that burned in the heart of Jesus Christ begin to burn in my heart. I've got to let it consume me until every day I'm fighting for the heart of my king. My mind goes... Back into 1 Samuel chapter 17 where David asked the question, is there not a cause? I'm here to ask you this morning, Life Church, is there not a cause worth fighting for? Is there not a cause worth sacrificing for? Is there not a cause that's worth giving up everything that I've got to see it fulfilled? Is the heart of our King worth it this morning? Praise God, praise God. He says, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. In reading this scripture, my mind goes to my own life. What are the things that I'm seeking? Christianity in our modern society has become a seeking church. Our songs are about seeking God. In fact, we sang one this morning that talked about seeking God. A popular song is, I will search for you. We, we hear these songs. It's become a part of our music. It's become a part of our culture. We're searching for God. We're searching for this. I'm asking the question this morning. Are we really seeking for God? Or are we seeking for something else? Let the light of Jesus Christ and the light of His anointing shine into your life and let it search through you. Are you aligned with His passion? Are you aligned with His heart? Are you aligned with His cause? But you may say, Money, I don't want to align myself with that because the cost is too great. You're talking about giving up everything that I've got. You're talking about giving up everything that I've worked for. You're talking about giving up all my passions, all my dreams. This morning I want to ask you to forget the cost. Look for the cause. Look for the cause that is real. Look for the cause that means more than just getting through 72 to 78 years, which is our average. Look for the cause that goes beyond today. Look for the cause that goes beyond your children. We're in the middle of a political campaign and both sides are talking about the future for our children, the future for our children. I dare say neither one of them probably know much about what's going to happen with our children. That's not a cause worth giving up my life for. No, I'm not for abortions. No, I'm not for all of these other things that happen in our world. No, I'm against that. But that's not a cause worth giving up my life for. But the heart of my King, Jesus Christ, is worth sacrificing everything. The cause of my King is worth saying, it doesn't matter what I have to go through. It doesn't matter what I have to give up. It doesn't matter what I have to walk away from. As long as I can align myself with your passion, as long as I can align myself with your cause, I'm going forward with Jesus. I'm going forward because I want to see His kingdom fulfilled. I want to see His purpose fulfilled in my life. Every one of us under the sound of my voice have a purpose in Christ Jesus. 
It's not just to be filled with the baptism of His Spirit. It's not just to be filled overflowing to where we begin to speak with other tongues. It's not just to be baptized into His name. It's not just to come into church on a Sunday in a midweek service. It's not just to pay our tithes and our offering. And yet, all of these things are important, but that's not what the cause is. To find out what the cause is, we've got to go back to the heart of Jesus Christ. We've got to go back to the heart of God himself. The question is, why did God robe himself in flesh? And no, if, if you're a little confused this morning, no, God did not send the second part of a trinity. God robed himself in flesh, the Bible says, and dwelt among us. God said, I'm not putting this off on somebody else. I'm not an absentee landlord. I'm not going to put the responsibility off on someone else. I'm going to get my hands dirty and get involved with my creation. (laughs) Praise God. The reason that he came was not to fulfill the legend of the day to establish an earthly kingdom, to overthrow overthrow the Roman Empire. That's not what it was. The reason that Jesus Christ came to earth and sacrificed his life and died on a cross for you and me and everybody else was that he could reunite mankind with himself. The reason that Jesus Christ came to earth and died was for you, was for me, was for everybody that ever lived. The Bible says that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And if that is the heart and if that is the passion of my king, how am I aligning myself with that passion? How much of my life is dedicated to fighting for his cause? How much of my life is dedicated for fighting to retrieve the loss back to him? You say, well, I've got to live my life. I have to work. I have to provide for my family. I have three little girls and another child on the way. We don't quite know what it is yet, but we're praying for a boy. If you need a prayer request, Monty Young needs a boy. He's severely outnumbered. But I have to provide for that family every day. There's times that I have to go without so my so my girls will have something. There's times that I have to say, you know, I, I could really use this but my wife needs this. It's the same thing in our relationship with God. If I'm putting all my focus on myself and I'm putting all my focus selfishly on the things that I desire, I'm leaving his passion and his desires aside. This morning, I I need to get our focus back on him and back on the things that he wants us to do. But you say, I've got to provide for my family. I've got to take care of my children. I've got to take care of my spouse. I I may have to be caring for my parents. I may have to care for my grandparents or, or whatever the situation may be. If I put all my focus on God, how can I take care of them? That's where we come to our scripture text this morning. Jesus is teaching. And he's dealing with this issue and he says, you may be seeking riches and you may be seeking wealth. You may be following mammon. But you need to lay mammon aside and you need to focus on me because it's not about money. Money doesn't provide. Faith provides. 
It's amazing in the times that I've struggled the hardest, the times when I didn't see the way to pay the rent or that I couldn't make the car note or I couldn't buy food or milk or whatever it may be for my kids. That's when God showed up. And my mind goes to here in Matthew chapter 6 where he says, if I take care of the birds, if I take care of the flowers, how much more am I going to take care of you? Praise God. Someone mentioned this morning that y'all are in the midst of a 40-day fast. Very commendable. Can say I've never quite made it 40. You can tell by looking at me I probably ought to do a few more. But fasting is, is, is one awesome part of sacrificing ourselves. But a lot of times we focus only on the fast of food. What about the fast of desires? What about the fast of our time? What about the fast of, I'm going to get myself away from the media. I'm going to get myself away from entertainment. I'm going to get myself away from music for, for about 72 hours. And I'm going to focus only on your word. These things are what Jesus is talking about. He says, you may have desires. You may have things that you have to take care of. In fact, you may have dreams that you've got. You may have dreams that have everything to do with the kingdom of God. You may have dreams that have nothing whatsoever to do with the kingdom of God. He says, but if, if you will just take out of that and you will give that time to me, all of these things will be added back to you. It's very commendable, even though they are severely misled and severely confused. The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every teenager, male or female, between the ages of 16 and I believe it maxes out at age 21, will have to spend at least two years in missionary work away from their family, full-time missionary work. We may see them riding up and down the streets in their white short sleeve shirts and their dark ties and dark pants on their bicycle. Or we may ignore them and act like we're not at home when they knock on our door. But these are people that are sold out to a cause. One of the fastest growing non-Christian religions in the United States is Mormonism. Why do you think that is? You say, well, we have the truth of the oneness of Jesus Christ or the oneness of God. We, we know that there's only one God and we're fighting for that. There's another group of people that only believe in one God. The fastest growing religion and culture and lifestyle of any kind anywhere in the world is the Muslim faith. They only believe in one God. You say, but we're children of Abraham. So are they. There's a difference between why they are growing by leaps and bounds and leaps and bounds. Their people are willing to sacrifice everything for their cause. You have a whacked out cleric get up in the, in the pulpit of their church or go out on the street and start talking about jihad and talking about we need to overthrow the oppressor. We need to overthrow the great Satan. And you've got young people that are saying, yeah, whatever it takes. And we wonder why our churches are getting less and less full. We wonder why we see people falling away. We wonder why people walk in the back door of our church, be filled with the Holy Ghost, and a week later they're gone. We wonder what's wrong. Have we lost sight of the passion? Have we lost sight of the cause? 
Have we said that the cost of this is far too great? I can't give up everything. I can't sacrifice my life. I can't sacrifice my family. But my mind goes to the words of Jesus where he says, if you want to gain everything, you've got to be willing to lose it all. With great risk comes great reward. These are phrases that we can all identify with. We all know what's going on with that. But this morning I want to ask you, examine your heart, examine your passions, examine your dreams. Are they more focused on you or are they more focused on Jesus Christ? No. We serve a God that does not want us to go die for Him. He's not asking us to martyr ourselves on the streets of the L.A. area. He's not asking us to do that. But He is asking us to martyr our time. He is asking us to martyr our passions. He is asking us to lay aside every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and run with patience the race that is set before us. Because we're fighting for the prize of the high calling. There is a prize that's involved here, church. There's a prize that's involved for every one of us. It's more than just having the largest sanctuary in the L.A. area. It's more than just having the most wealthy church. It's more than just being recognized on television and in the newspaper. It's about reaching the lost for Jesus Christ. It's about taking somebody by the hand and say, hey, come go with me because I've got somebody that can take care of every problem. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care if you're bound by alcoholism. I don't care if you're bound by drug addiction. I don't care if you're bound by perversion. I don't care what you're bound by. I don't care what it is. My God is the answer. I've got the answer. He's right here. He's right here. Let me sacrifice some of my time. Let me go out of my way to make sure you got a ride to church. Let me go over here. Let me give them my money so you can have some food to eat. So you can hear about God. Come on church, it's time for us to reconnect to a passion. It's time for us to plug ourselves in to a cause that is greater than our own life. Praise God. The last three years of my life I've dedicated myself to the study of the rabbinic ministry of Jesus Christ. And for those of you that are not familiar with that term, it's basically the study of Jesus Christ and his life as a rabbi. And for a lot of people, that doesn't really mean anything. And on the surface, just saying, well, Jesus lived his life as a rabbi doesn't mean a lot. But in in studying out how Jesus lived his 33 and a half short years and how he, he actually ministered the last three and a half years of his life, his ministry tied back into the rabbinic tradition of the Hebrew people. I find out a lot of stuff about him. One of those was, he he made a statement one time, and it's a scripture that we are all familiar with. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We quote the scripture, and I've heard it preached thousands of times. I grew up in Pentecost. Fifth generation on both sides. I've heard a lot of preaching. And I've heard this preached thousands of times. Well, yeah, that's, that's the yoke of Jesus Christ is when we yoke ourselves together with him. Well, I found out in my study that that's not true. The yoke of a rabbi was his doctrine. It was his passion. 
So when Jesus looked at his disciples and, and the other hundred or so people that were around him at this particular moment, when he, when he made this statement, he says, I want you to take my doctrine, my passion, my lifestyle, the very way that I breathe upon you. And he says, it's an easy burden. And then he goes on to say, my burden is light. And a lot of us think, well, he's talking about a burden that doesn't weigh a lot. But if you study it out in the original text, he didn't say my burden doesn't weigh much. He said my burden is illumination. The illumination of the doctrine of the passion of Jesus Christ needs to shine into the light of every person in this room, starting right up here with me and going to every person in this room. The light of his doctrine is the fact that Jesus came to give. He spent more time with people that he should have had nothing to do with. He was an Orthodox Hasidic Jew. If Jesus were to walk on the earth today, he would have the ringlets. If you've seen the, the Good Brotherhood walk around with the ringlets, that's, that is the sect of people that Jesus was identified with. He was an Hasidic Jew, meaning he was Orthodox. He was passionate about the doctrine that he believed. And he traveled around the countryside, and instead of going to the other Orthodox people, Instead of going to the temple to hang out with all the scholars, where do you find Jesus? You find him hanging out with the prostitutes. You find him hanging out with the tax collectors who were considered lower than dirt. You find him hanging out with people that weren't worthy of this. In fact, he, he called 12 direct disciples, people who had been rejected to go any further in their study than age 12. When you study out the rabbinic tradition, you find out that every Jewish boy or girl studied up until age 12, roughly 12 to 14, depending on what area of the country you were in. At age 12 to 14, you had to be bar mitzvahed if you were a male or, bar, or bat mitzvahed if you were a female. And this was a passage from adolescence into adulthood. At age 13, you were allowed to marry because you were considered old enough to, to bear children or old enough to father children and old enough to have your own household. So at age 12, roughly, every one of the 12 disciples of Jesus Christ had been presented to the priesthood and asked to quote the entire, what we know as the Old Testament, from memory. And if they stumbled, if they had to be helped more than two or three times, they were not allowed to go any further into ministry, which was considered the highest calling in the Hebrew tradition. And if you weren't worthy to go any further, you had to go do what your father did. So we find the disciples. We find Peter, James, and John. They were all fishermen. We find that they were having to do what their fathers had done. These were people that had been rejected by religion. Yet that's the people that Jesus chose. He went to them and said, even though they were probably 16, 17, 18, maybe even as old as 22 years old, way too old to be disciples of a rabbi. He said, I'm going to you who have been rejected. You see, God doesn't look for perfect people to fulfill his purpose. God doesn't look for the people that society heaps all the accolades on. In fact, the man who preached the sermon where Jesus established his church had already denied him three times, had already cursed and swore about it. 
If you study from the Old Testament all the way to the book of Revelation, you will find that God never chose someone who had their act together. He always chose someone that had some problems because it's in our problems that we find out exactly how great he is. You see, if I've got everything together and I walk up and I allow God to use me, I can get confused and think it has a little bit to do with me. But when I stumble over myself just to get through the day, when I can't pay my bills on time because I don't have the discipline to to budget myself correctly and God still somehow or another takes care of all of them, I know it has nothing whatsoever to do with me. This morning I'm filled, I'm, I'm surrounded by a bunch of misfits. By the way, this is a misfit up here preaching to you. There's nobody in under the sound of my voice that is worthy to be filled with His Spirit. There's nobody that's worthy because we we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We were all born in sin and, and in sin did our mothers conceive us. We were all not worthy. But for some reason, He said, those are the ones that I want. Because it's the people that need the most that will do the most to get it done. You find somebody that needs something. They're willing to go beyond. They're willing to go the extra mile just to make sure it's going to happen. They're willing to dig their feet in and grab hold and say, I'm not letting go until it happens. This morning, Life Church, we need to get a hold of the passion of Jesus Christ. We need to get a hold to it and say, it's going to become a part of me. I don't care what my struggles are. I don't care what my issues may be. I don't care how many times I've fallen. I don't care what my background is. I'm selling out to his passion this morning I'm selling out to the cause I'm not worried about how much it's going to cost me I'm looking for his cause I'm not worried about what I have to give up I'm saying God it doesn't matter there's a lost soul out there that only I can reach there's somebody that I can give my life to there's somebody that I can give myself to praise God let's fill after the Lord right now Praise God, praise God. Lord, let that passion erupt inside of every one of us. God, let the passion for the lost begin to burn in our hearts, dear God. Lord, consume us with your fire this morning. Hallelujah. He goes through a litany of everything that we desire in life and everything that we need in life, whether we're married or unmarried, whether we have children or not. He goes through the entire list. He says, you're going to need food. You're going to need shelter. You're going to need clothing. You're going to need money to pay for all this. How many times have we allowed our pursuit of wealth or our pursuit of just having enough to get between us and what God has in store for us? Every person that is filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost has been called and destined to be a minister. No, you may never step behind a pulpit, but you're preaching a sermon every day as you walk up and down the streets. When you go to school, when you go to your job, you're preaching a sermon that's far more powerful than anything you'll ever hear behind this sacred desk. We're all called into the service of Jesus Christ. Yet how many of us are actively serving? How many of us have gone AWOL trying to take care of things? We work 40 to 60 hours a week on average in the United States. We go to church on average six hours a week. We think about God outside of church less than two hours a week on average. 
it would probably sober you to find out that these are statistics from the United Pentecostal Church. Pentecostals, apostolics. Boy, we look right, we dress right, we spit white. But we think on average about God outside of church less than two hours a week. No, I don't want to step into the role of of Pastor Brown this morning. That's not why I'm here. No, I'm not trying to guilt you into making a commitment that you can't fulfill because God said it's better to not make a commitment at all than to make it and break it. What I would like to do this morning is just pull back the curtain a little bit and let you see that there's more than just coming to church. When's the last time you spent a couple hours in a soup kitchen feeding someone that didn't have anything? When's the last time you went shopping just to take those clothes down to a single mother's shelter. You say, Monty, you're getting off into a social doctrine. No. Read the book of Matthew. You'll find out that Jesus, God himself, on judgment day says, when you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. Well, you say, well, if, I, if I'm over there doing all this stuff, they may never come to church. It's not about coming to church. It's not about walking through those back doors. It's about receiving Jesus Christ. When we begin to show Jesus Christ and we stop trying to show Christianity, we're going to see a change in our world. We're going to see a change in the people around us. Christianity is a horrible adjective. It's a fantastic noun. It was never meant to be an adjective. It's going back to school time. So for all of the teenagers and the young people, here it is. An adjective describes the subject. Over time, the word Christianity has become a describer. It doesn't make a good describer. It, it becomes a fantastic noun. The noun is the one who actually performs the action. It is the subject. It's time for us to take the onus of Christianity and stop describing things like a Christian-owned Ford dealership. How about listening to Christian music? When's the last time Christian music got active and anything other than having a fantastic party? The hip-hop artists in the Christian world are just as nasty as the hip-hop artists outside of the Christian world. The Christian rockers rock just as hard as the non-Christian rockers. I used to be in the world. I know what I'm talking about. I traveled around for about 10 years playing music, Christian music. Hung out with some of the the highbrow people of the time, the, the big name people. We got drunk with the best of them. It doesn't have anything to do with what you describe yourself as. It has everything to do with what you are actually doing. To be a Christian means to be a Christ imitator. So if I'm going to imitate Jesus Christ, I have to imitate his walk. 
I have to imitate his talk and I have to imitate his very actions. I have to take his yoke and wrap myself up inside his doctrine and let it seep into every part of who I am. And I have to become a giver. It's more than just giving money to She's for Christ, which is a fantastic, it's a fantastic cause to get behind. But in sending money to the missionaries so they can have cars, so they can go into other places, let's think about the missions work we can do right here. We live in a missions field, church. We, li- we are surrounded by missions every day. Let's connect ourselves back to the mission of God, which is I'm going to give myself. I'm going to give of my wealth. God didn't give me wealth for me to just pile it up. He gave me wealth so I can bless somebody else. Praise God. Praise God. He gave me what he gave me so I can do something with it. I have a responsibility this morning. I have a responsibility to every person that lives in my neighborhood. I have a responsibility to everybody I work with. I have a responsibility to everybody I bump into on the street to let them know there's more to this life than what we're seeing right now. There's more to God than just saying, hey, I'm a Christian. I have to get involved. I have to give them what I've been given. Praise God. If we could take on the passion of Peter and John when they went to the temple and they said, Hey man, I know you're needing something, but I don't have what you're asking for. But what I do have, I'm more than willing to give it to you. I can't give you any money because you see, I'm just as broke as you are. But what I do have, I can give you Jesus Christ. I can take you to the man, the author and the finisher of our faith. I can take you to the savior of the world. I can take you to the one that will get inside you and turn your life completely around. Come on, let me introduce you to a man. Just like the lady at the well that said, hey, come see a man. Come see a man. Come see somebody who completely changed my life. When you look at me, I may look pretty this morning. I may look like I got everything going on, but let me tell you, God has changed me and I have a responsibility. I can't be what I was. I can't be just a lackadaisical Christian. I've got to be passionate for his power. Praise God, praise God. It's time to let the passion and the heart of our King begin to beat inside of the chest of the church. It's time for us to let His passion grow. I don't know how long you normally go, but I'm coming to a close right now. If you could help me out on the music. If you can leave here today and you can forget everything that I've said, I don't care if you... Report back to Pastor Brown that I was eloquent. It's immaterial to me. But if you can leave here and remember one thing, it would be I have a responsibility. You say, well, what is my responsibility? My responsibility is to everyone. Several years back, a popular Christian book came out called The Prayer of Jabez, and no doubt some of you have probably read it. And the prayer that Jabez prayed was, Lord, increase my territory. And so we, in mass, Christianity accepted this, and they said, yes, this is what we need to do. This is the secret. Lord, increase my territory. Constantly praying this prayer that Jabez prayed, A man mentioned one time in the entire 66 books of the Bible. And we say, God increased my territory just like he did for Jabez. But we misquote it every time we pray it. He said, don't increase my territory. What Jabez actually prayed was, God, increase my responsibility. 
Because with great power comes great responsibility. I have a responsibility to every person that I meet. My responsibility this morning was to ignite the passion inside of your heart. Whether you're filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost or you're not. If you are filled, my responsibility was to ignite a passion to do more. To give more. That we may receive more. If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, my responsibility is to introduce you to the greatest cause that has ever been. It's something you can sell your life out to. No, it doesn't make life easier. No, it doesn't suddenly open up a bank from the windows of heaven and you suddenly can pay for all of the stuff that you need. It's not that. It's not a televangelist religion. This is a way of life that, while it may rain on the just and the unjust alike, the people that have been filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues, and have been baptized into the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of their sins, now have a power to get through whatever they're going through. God doesn't take you out of the situation. He gets you through the situation. Because in the going through the situation, we learn more about Him. Why don't we all stand? If we could all begin to seek after the Lord right now. In response to the responsibility that has been given, is there anybody in this building that wants to sell out to Him? Imagine us at the poker table this morning and having four aces in our hand and only about $200 and our opponent has got several thousand. The only way that we can stay in this is to go all in. Is there anybody willing to go all in for Jesus this morning? You say, Monty, I, I have the Holy Ghost and I... I should be doing more, but I haven't been. Is there anyone willing to go all in this morning? If you're willing to go all in, why don't you make your way down to the front? If you don't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost, find somebody to come down to the, to the front with. And let's, let's pray and seek after God because I believe He can fill you with His Spirit. You see, He filled me. And if He can save me, He can save you. Come on, church, let's begin to pray. As Christina sings, let's just ask God to move in this place this morning. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Give me one pure and holy passion. God, let it ignite in my heart this morning. God. Give me one magnificent. God, I'm selling out obsession. to you one more time. Give me Lord, I'm not just going through the motions this morning. I'm not just going to be a describer. Lord, I'm actually going to be somebody that does something for you. God, let this mind that was in, in Jesus Christ be in me this morning, God. Oh, God. Oh, God. Lord, change my way of thinking. Lord, change my way of living, God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. God, give me a passion for the lost. God, me a desire.
to reach somebody. Lord, I give up everything of myself. Lord, I give my dreams. Lord, I give my desires. Lord, just to see your passion fulfilled. Come on, church, let's seek after him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. This world is empty, pale, and poor compared to knowing you, my Lord. So lead me on, and I will run after you. Lead me on, and I will run after you. Will you give me? One pure and holy passion I need you to give me One magnificent obsession I'll give me one glorious ambition Lord, I may have made commitments in the past But I'm making a new commitment today Lord, my commitment now is I'm going to live for you every day I'm going to touch somebody for you every day I'm not going to go through a day without touching somebody. Lord, I want to let everybody I come in contact with know how much you love them, how much you love them and care for them. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm taking my Christianity off the shelf. Lord, and I'm putting it out in the streets. Lord, I'm going to do more for you than I've ever done. Lord, I'm going to touch somebody that's undesirable. Lord, I'm going to go. I'm not just going to go through the motions. I'm going to go beyond the motions, Jesus. Lord, let that passion ignite inside my heart, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Magnificent obsession for you, Lord. Give me one glorious ambition for my life to know and follow hard after you.
your truth. This world is empty, pale and poor, compared to knowing you, my Lord. This world is empty, pale and poor, compared to knowing you, my Lord. This world is empty, pale and poor, compared to knowing you, my Lord.
God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen, amen. Hallelujah. If you have to go, you're dismissed in Jesus' name. Amen. If you want to pray, feel free to pray. God's in the house. Amen. Let's remember the announcements. Hallelujah. Let's be passionate. Let's be passionate. Amen. Thank you, Brother Young. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God.